I try not to as a pastor, every time I hear a message, be like, oh, I can't wait to share this with my church. But this was one that as I heard it, I was like, oh man, Gulfside, in our season, we need this. And so I want to give good credit to Pastor Stephen Furtick who wrote this message, which I'm not a copy-paste guy, but there's some, definitely some pieces of his writing that, that I'm using in this. So I want to give credit to him. And uh, today, kind of as we get into our message, I, I just want to start talking about perspective, the way that you see something. Because a lot of times what's on the face value isn't really accurate to what's going on. Like me as a husband, a couple years into our marriage, and this is hypothetical, this didn't happen at all, but, <laughs> hi Tia, um, <laughs> but say I was going to go out and go fishing for the day, and as I'm walking out the door, and we've talked about that I was going to go fishing, and there's craziness happening, and my wife were to say to me, so you're going to go fishing? <laughs> That's not really a question. <laughs> That's a statement. That's if things are so crazy right now, there's some things you need to settle down before you go and have fun while I stay here and deal with the craziness by myself. And as you grow and mature, you learn to discern these things that, you know, what's on, just on the surface isn't really what, what's happening. And it might not be fishing, it might be golfing, it might be something else. Sometimes it works in the reverse too. Sometimes it's like you're sitting there do, just doing the house stuff and you get the statement, hey, you should go fishing sometime soon. Yeah, the, guy, the guys are like, oh yeah, there's the flip side. She wants to go get her nails done or something. like. There's something else. We understand. We, the, the ones who are a little more seasoned in marriage, you can see there's something else under the, the surface. And as husbands and wives learn to interact with each other and understand what their needs are, it, it's a learning process because it's a cross-cultural relationship. We speak different languages. But as we grow and we mature, we see situations differently. We hear sentences differently. We understand that there's more that's going on than just what's at the surface. And... and the way that we see things, it needs to grow. And the passage we're looking at today, it's a passage where it describes a situation where when we look at it on face value, just on the surface, it looks completely different than the way that the Apostle Paul describes it. Today's message is com coming from Philippians chapter 1, and it's going to be verses 12 through 26. And right at, at the beginning, he, he begins to describe this, and it's an interesting section of Scripture because he's in jail while he's writing this. And even though he's in jail while he's writing the, this letter to the Philippian church, it's known as being one of the happiest books of the Bible. I mean, just, just that alone is something for you to kind of weigh your mind, like just sit and contemplate on that, that the happiest book in Scripture was written from a jail cell. And he begins writing, and he starts in verse 12, and he's writing to the Philippian church and wanting to calm them down, and he says, And I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. And I'm going to start with my first point because as we dive into this section of scripture, I want you to see this truth as it ring, rings through it. And the first thing that I want you to see is that faith provides the interpretation of my situation. Faith provides the interpretation of my situation because if we were just to begin looking at the situation where the Apostle Paul, who had been out planting churches, he'd been doing miracles, he's been sharing the message of the gospel and people have been responding to it and it's been such a fruitful time for him, he gets arrested and he's now writing in chains. It would be easy to look at the situation and say, man, everything in your ministry and your life, it must have just got put on pause. Because although you are being fruitful, all of that is done now because now you're in prison and you can't possibly be accomplishing your purpose from that prison cell. 
And some people look at situations and they see what's happening in your life and they say, man, that, that, that's unfortunate, that struggle that you're in, that sickness that you have, the debt that you're in, the situation that you find yourself in. God must have turned his back on you for you to be in this difficult, terrible place. And that's a perception, that, that, that's a view, that's one way to interpret the situation is to say, well, you're, you're in a tough place, so God must have turned his back on you. And that's one way to interpret what you're going through. And I want to tell you that if you've been in the midst and been in the season of a struggle and your interpretation of that struggle has been God must have just taken his hand off. I want to challenge your thinking with a couple other passages today and especially this passage from Philippians. But when we think back to Psalms where it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There is not teaching in Scripture that your life is always going to be easy, but there is truth in Scripture that there are times where we walk through incredibly challenging places. And our faith should be the thing that's interpreting our situation. Not our flesh, not the rest of the world's perspective, but our faith should be the thing that's interpreting what's going on around us. Because we should see these struggles as opportunities. When we look at the Apostle Paul, he said, everything that has happened to me here." has helped to spread the good news. How is it that getting arrested, how is it that, that being pulled away from the church that he was working with, well, the fact is, right where he is in the midst of his struggle, God has a design and an opportunity. And although he is chained to a, a guard, he doesn't see it that way. He see it, sees it as the guard is chained to him. Because the Apostle Paul had this calling to the Greeks. He, he had this calling on his heart to reach the officials and to reach the governors. And so what God has done is as he's been arrested, he's placed in this position where he is now preaching to them in their courts. He sees this as an opportunity, not as an interruption to what God's doing in his life. And, and there's something, you know, in that, going back to the passage of the valley of the shadow of death, you know, there's the perception of while you're in the middle of that valley where everything around you feels terrible, everything around you feels like death, you can look at that and say, man, I'm here and God must have stepped away from me. But the scriptural truth is that God's bringing you through that place because there's something better on the other side of it. God will walk us through seasons of difficulty because there's a lesson that's going to strengthen our heart and it's going to strengthen our soul and it's going to prepare us for better places that we couldn't get to if we stayed where we were. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it's to deliver us to the other side. The way that Paul describes it, you know, these light and momentary afflictions are nothing compared to the surpassing glory that will be revealed to us. That when God brings us through seasons of difficulty, there's a reason and there's a purpose to it, but we're not going to see it if we just look at it through the world's eyes. We've got we've to see it through the eyes of faith. I, I, you know, when, when it comes to difficulty, I, I like the, the, the country preacher saying, I, I got to dial back my, my Georgia for a second and get, get into the right accent for this. Um, if you ain't had a head-on collision with a devil lately, you two might be going in the same direction. <laughs> you, you, got, you got that? And, and, and we hear that, but there, there's this truth to that if there's not, if it doesn't feel like there's some struggle, if it doesn't feel like there's fight, if it just feels like your faith has always just been easy, the fact is you, you might be missing out on your calling. Because it's been my experience, and it's the experience that I've seen, and it's what, what we see throughout the characters of Scripture, is that there is struggle. Struggle is part of the design for us as followers of Christ. Struggle is part of the design of moving this calling and this vision forward through our city. There are going to be times when there's growth, there, there, there's always the, this feeling of iron sharpening iron, uh, of the, this part of us getting rubbed off. 
This part of us being removed that doesn't belong there. As Jesus used the, the illustration of pruning the vine, uh, that, that Paul talks about a, a good father disciplines his children. I mean, there, there's truth that there is part of our faith walk that is going to feel like challenge. It's going to feel like struggle. And, and the two, first two points are coming real quickly. Um, but the second point that I want you to know is that if you aren't fighting against anything, you probably aren't fighting for anything. And, and there's a truth that there's a spiritual fight that we should be engaged in. There, there, there's a struggle that we have to be walking through. And it's not that we have to go looking for the struggles. It will come in season. But today's message, I really believe, is an encouragement to the people who are in that season right now. And, and if right now you felt like just, uh, just one step away from giving up, one step away of just saying, man, I've been, I've been trying with God, but the struggle has been too much on my shoulders. I want to encourage you that the struggle isn't the sign that you've been doing it wrong. The struggle is the sign that you've been doing it right. That, that you're pushing through something to get to the next place you need to be in your life. And if it's felt like I'm in this season that is not ending, there is an end in sight. And your heavenly father, he is beside you. And he is walking with you through whatever this challenge has been. And I want to tell you, if it's your first time here, you can just plug your ears during this because I don't want you to know this yet. But everybody else can listen. The truth is there are easier churches to go to in town than Gulfside Church. And I recognize this, and I never fault anyone who, who decides that, you know, this, this is just too much for them. Because the fact is, it's not just for you, it's for me too. I get the emails and the calls of saying, hey, there's a church that has a building and has money in the bank, and they're looking for a pastor. But, but the fact is, when, when I hear those, and I know for so many of you guys who, who have connected into this vision, you say, I know that, you know, the struggle is worth it. Like, like, like right now, what we're working on, there, there's easier places to go to churches. There, there's, there's churches that have more people your age. There's churches that ha have, you know, larger bands. There, there's churches that have buildings that you don't have to set up and tear down every Sunday. You don't have to be there at 7 a.m. to be part of the volunteering. And, and it's okay if people go there. But the fact is, we are unified around this vision that we can start something new that is going to reach other families that aren't being reached because there's not a church in this part of the city. And so we're connected to this vision, this Luke 19, 10 truth, that the Son of Man seeks after those who are lost. And so we rally to this and we say, you know what, the, the what is difficult, but the why is more important. The, the, the why is why we do it. The why is why we strive. The why is why we fight through to make this happen week after week. And so I just want to give appreciation to the volunteers who are showing up here at 7 a.m., yes, to make this happen every week. So many of you guys... So many of you have poured so much of your, of your sweat, of your time, lack of sleep, your finances to make this happen. And it's so appreciated because God is working through you. God is working through this church. And, and I know that this is not the easy road. There, there's so many easier ways to go, but it's that vision. It's that truth that we are called to do something that, that at times is difficulty. And in the way that the Apostle Paul is saying, you know, this struggle, everything that's happened to me has actually helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I'm in chains because of Christ. That's just a weird sentence there to stop and think about. They know that I'm in, I'm in chains because of Christ. Like, like, first of all, they know, you know, he was out preaching the gospel and that's why he's here. But there's this, this other part of that, that sentence that says, this is where God wants him to be. And I, want, I just want to further cement the fact that if you're in the midst of a struggle, that might be just where God needs you to be right now. And, and you haven't messed up. You, ha you haven't missed the next step. But right now, God is, God is teaching you 
to, to be sustained by his grace. The way that the apostle Paul said it when he had what he describes as a thorn in his flesh. He said three times he asked God, God, will you please take this away? And God said no. And, and this was a struggle and this was pain for the apostle Paul. And he said, you know, pretty please, the sugar on top, will you please take this away? And he said no. And then the third time the apostle Paul said, you know, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll be a missionary. I'll do whatever you want. Just take this away. And he said, you already are a missionary. And, and so no, you, my grace is going to be sufficient for you. And it's just backed up throughout scripture that it's not always going to be easy for followers of Christ. It's not always going to be easy for those who are pushing the kingdom of God forward. It's not always going to be easy to get your life back to where it needs to be after mistakes or after things that someone else, choices someone else made that impacted you. It's not always easy. It takes time. It takes a season. But God has purpose for you right where you are in that right now. But other people would look and say, oh, you know, you're chained up. You're in an unfortunate situation. You need to look at it through the eyes of faith and say, this is exactly where God wants me to be for right now. And I'm going to honor him in this difficult situation. I've had the, the cra crazy experience. Our neighbors across the street are, are some awesome people. In fact, if you were here for the Love Song series, the, the guy who sang um, God Bless the Broken Road by Rascal Flatts is part of that series when we did that last, I think, February. Um, that, that his name's Martin and his wife, Angela. They're just a couple years older than me and my wife. And she unexpectedly had a stroke. And that's never something that you'd expect for someone that age. She has a six-year-old son and, and, and a teenage son and a teenage daughter. And it just, it came out of nowhere. And they, they aren't sure how it's going to turn out. And she's on life support. And I see their teenage son out in the driveway a couple days after it happened. And I, I go over to him and I, I just say, hey, how... How are you doing, man? How, how, how's the family holding up? And he, he's like, oh, we're doing great. And, you know, how about that Super Bowl? That was crazy. And, and just starts talking. And I'm like, did they not tell him? Like, <laughs> I was like, well, how's your mom doing? And she's like, oh, you know, she's on, on life support. And, and I just kid you, like, this kid taught me so much about faith in the driveway in front of our house. And he just said, I just know that God's going to do a miracle. He's like, I'm just not concerned because I know that God's going to do a miracle. And I was just like, well, that's what we're praying for, man. We, we are praying with you guys. And they, they're a family who loves Jesus. And uh, I, I let them know, you know, we've been praying. And I've, you know, God has had them on our heart. And I've woken up in the middle of the night feeling the need to pray for them. And, and I was just so challenged by the joy that he was able to carry through this uncertainty of what's going to happen with his mom. Because, man, that, that would be enough. That would be strong enough chains, I think, to just, like, hold me back and just, like, pause my faith a little bit. I'd be a little bit too, I wouldn't be bold enough to pray such a, an audacious prayer in that moment because of the uncertainty. And, and this kid, like, his faith was just like, I, I know. Like, I know, I know who my heavenly father is. And I know what he wants for us. And I know what he promises his children. And so I know that God's going to do something in, incredible in it. And so, you know, even though the situation would be something that, you know, you would think would slow my faith down or slow my trust in God down, like, I'm, I'm not controlled by that. I'm not chained to that. I'm not a hostage to that. And, and the Apostle Paul, he's the example of this. While he's in these chains, he says, you know, these have not slowed down the progression of the gospel. These have actually, these chains, these things that were meant to control me have actually enabled the gospel to move even further. I'm not a hostage to this situation. And so many of us, we've adopted this hostage mentality when we need to look and say, you know what, the, the, the what that's happening around me has no control over the why in my life. 
The things that are happening have no control over my, my vision and my mission that God's given me. And so I'm not a hostage to these things. I'm not a hostage to these people's opinions. I'm not a hostage to that addiction that used to hold me. I'm not a hostage to the way that the other people in my family have been. I'm not a hostage to what my job has been like. I'm not a hostage to any of these behaviors, to any of these shame. I'm not a hostage to any of these things. But I, but I am freed by God to pursue the calling and the purpose that he placed on my life. You guys are not ready for me to preach today. Who is with me here? I did not get to preach last week, and so I've got five pages of notes when I normally only have three because there's just so much on this. But I want you to know, I want you to know that you are not constrained by the situation that has been weighing on your shoulders. It doesn't change your vision. It doesn't change your mission. It doesn't change who your heavenly father is. It doesn't change the work that Jesus Christ has done on the cross for the redemption of your, your sins and the future of your life. It doesn't change any of that. And so we have to step into it. We have to say, you know what, in this season of struggle, in this season of uncertainty, I can still chase after what God has for me. And as the Apostle Paul is writing this, you know, he's talking about the struggles of the chains, but, but then he, he begins to, to make this, this new direction where he brings in. It's not just, you know, these chains that I have in my life, but there's also some churchy people creating problems for me. That never happens anymore, does it? <laughs> churchy people. We're all good on that. That doesn't happen anymore. In verse 15, and we'll put this up on the screen as we read it, he says, you know, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. Like people were actually preaching the gospel to try to create more problems for Paul, which is so weird in so many ways. And so, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way, so I rejoice, and I will continue to rejoice. Now, now that verse 18 is something that you guys would do well to like take and write on, on your wrist so that every time your hand does something, you do it. Because we don't so much need to know what would Jesus do because we tend to know what the right thing is to do. But the thing that we struggle with is what other people around us are thinking. Like we know in church, like, like Jesus, he'd, he'd worship all out and he'd be in and his heart would be in and his mind would be in. But man, we can't do that because the person standing next to me, like they might think I'm weird like if I really engage with God. But like other people around me, if I begin to really push my heart and my life towards God, they might be like, oh, what are you trying to do? You trying to be a righteous guy now? We're so worried about the opinions of others and what he says right there at the beginning of 18. But that doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if they're trying to cause trouble for me. It doesn't matter if they're trying to do things because they support me. What they do, it doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't change what I'm supposed to be doing. It doesn't change that in my situation, I'm going to continue to do what I need to do. And so he begins to paint this picture of his situation, which is really interesting because he doesn't go into like how bad jail is, how bad the food is, how bad the bed is, how bad the toilet or lack of toilet is. Like he doesn't do, dive into those things, but he says, this is how I see my situation. I'm in chains, but the gospel is moving forward even in this. And, and he says, this is the current situation, but then he begins to make a shift. Can you say shift? Shift. 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 Happens. Shift happens. The shift begins. And yeah, I don't know why you guys are laughing. The pastor would never make that joy, joke. The, the, the shift begins to occur where he goes from this is my present situation and this is how I see it. I see it through the eyes of faith. That, that God is going to work and God is working in the midst of the struggle. And he begins to shift towards this is what's going to happen in the future. And I know that he makes the shift because as he begins to write, and he doesn't know what's going to happen in his life. He doesn't know if he's going to live or die. He doesn't know if he's going to you know, set, get set free or if he's going to get executed, which eventually in his life he was executed by the government. And, and so, but he's preaching and he says, you know, I know for this season that God still has plans for me. And, I, and you see that because in this next part of scripture, he uses the word will over and over. He begins to say, you know, 
that, that God is going to do these things. And so I'm going to, it's a long section of scripture, and so to keep you from falling asleep, you're going to help me read it a little bit. Every, I'm going to point at you every time the word will is written, and you're going to say will. So when I point at you, that's good. Some people weren't sure if they were allowed to say it yet because they wanted to make sure they did it right. And so one more time. Okay, good. Very good. All right, starting at verse 18. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that as you pray for me and the spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this lead to my deliverance. For I fully expect and hope that I never be ashamed, but that I continue to be bold for Christ as I have in the past. And, at, and I trust that my life bring honor to Christ whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. Knowing this, I am convinced that I remain alive so I can continue to help all of you grow and experience the joy of your faith. And when I come to you again, you have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Paul had a strong expectation that even in the, this circumstance of being on trial, being, being possibly under the penalty of death, he knew that God was not done with him yet. And I'm going to tell you, God's not done with you yet. God has purposes ahead of you. And no matter how strong the struggle has been on your heart, no matter how strong the anxiety and the stress has been, God is not leaving you there. God has a purpose for this time. Because as he builds up your faith, as he builds up your, your, the trust that you have in him, he's going to open up new things. And, and there, as Paul is writing this, I want to just highlight on verse 20, there's a section where it says these, these four words, fully expect and hope. He's saying, I fully expect and hope. And it's just kind of a fun thing because Paul just kind of made up a word here. And I can say that because it's not found anywhere else in Greek. It's only used two times in the Bible, both times by Paul. And it's a word kind of like the word hangry. Like I've used the word hangry here like a bunch. It's hungry and angry. Like you've seen this happen. Like you get so hungry or someone in your household gets so hungry that they get angry. And, and we know this hangry word. But he, he does this and he just smushes some words, words together. And, and the, the words that he squishes together are, are uh, in English, you know, I fully expect and hope. And it's this mindset. It's this mindset that he has of the anticipation of what God's going to do. And it's apokaradokia. Apokaradokia. And, and apo, it, it just simply means like to move your attention. A apo just means to move your attention from one thing to what, what it needs to be on. Karo sim simply means head, which is like your, your thoughts, your direction, your focus. And, and then do dokia means to like, to, to like lean in, to like stretch out. Apokaradokia. It's like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Like he just made it up. But, but he wanted, he, he did this weird thing that he doesn't often do in Scripture, and we don't see this happen many places in Scripture, because he wanted th this, this feeling of, of expectation, of faith-filled, like I'm, I'm looking, I'm turning my attention from these other things, and I'm looking towards what I know God's going to do. And, and it's like I'm stretching out, and I'm just waiting for it. And, and he has this in here of this mindset. And man, that's the heartbeat that we need to have as a church. That's a heartbeat that we need to have in our relationship with God. Of this is where my struggle is. This is how I feel. Like I'm turned from the struggle. I'm turned from the distraction. And I'm fully expecting. I'm fully eager. I'm completely anticipating that God is about to show up. And, and so I, I, it's like he made up this whole word to, to be able to do this. But we as, a, as, as an American church, and it, it's like we... we have very small expectation of what we think God's going to do. 
And we've let that voice of saying, you know, if I'm in a struggle, I'm going to struggle here forever. And, you know, God took his hand off me. And that, that thinking has become far, far, far too common. And, and, and it's like, you know, our, our, our head is so far up our past that, like, we can't even see what God's doing in the present, let alone what he's going to do in the future. You guys have a weird sense of humor. <laughs> you know, the, the struggles, the chains, the past, they, they, all, they all build into what our expectation is of what we think God is going to do right now. All of those things, they build into what our expectation is of what God's going to do this week. And what I want you to do, man, I want this week, I want your expectation to rise. I, I want your view of your struggle to, to begin to change a little bit. To saying, you know what, I, I am in this tough place, and, and it might take me a few years to, to get out of this debt. It might make, take me a few years to get out of this addiction. It might take a few years to change this relationship. It might take a few years. It might be a long struggle, but I'm okay because I know God is with me through this. And I know that God is not going to leave me behind in this. Band, if you guys would come up, I'm going to start to close this this thing out. In verse 26, the Apostle Paul writes, and, and he says, and when I come to you again, you will have even more reason to take pride in Christ Jesus because of what he is doing through me. Another way to describe what I've been talking about is we're so concerned about what is happening to us that we lose sight of what's supposed to be happening through us. And we say, man, this happened, this happened, this happened. As your pastor, I want to gently just encourage you and give you a little, little push on the back and say, okay, those things happened and they're real and they hurt and, and I understand. But what is God doing through you? What is God doing through you in your life right now? Because each one of you guys are called to be used by God to accomplish a purpose. Each one of you, God says he has placed a spiritual gift inside of you that is supposed to be used for the edification, for the building up of other people. The expectation is that no matter what is happening to us and around us, God is going to continue to do something through us. And so if you've been around church for a while, my question. What is God doing through you in this season? Where is God using you to encourage someone else? Because we are called to change the city. We're not called to complain about the circumstances. We're not called to complain about what's happened to us. And some of them are real hurts, but even in those real hurts, we have the opportunity to show other people, man, you can honor God through this. My, my neighbor across the street, you know, the teenager, he prayed with this audacious prayer and just this confidence in, in his heart and his being. Um, just yesterday, saw the update, and they said, you know, praising God, he's done a miracle. We were able to take her off life support. She's awake. She's aware. Was, Marty, her husband, was putting chapstick on, and she was like, hey, I need some of that. Took the chapstick with her hand, put it on herself. She's functioning. God is working. Now, yeah. That's... And I would, I would invite you to continue to pray for the short family. But I want that picture, that truth of what God is doing in them, I want that to be the same testimony that you experience. Whatever the chains have been in your life for this season, whatever the struggle has been, know that this is your opportunity to praise him in the storm. This is the opportunity for God to work through you.
And so church, this is the third and final point. Nothing can happen to me that can stop God from working through me. Nothing can happen to me that can stop God from working through me. Even where you are right now, God wants to put his, his glory on display. For some of you guys, that me might mean for the first time saying, you know what, my relationship with God has just been this distant person and I need to have a personal relationship. And what scripture teaches is that when you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Some of you guys need to start your relationship with God today. And some of you guys, your step is you need to, you need to get back in the fight. Real struggle happened. And, and you put down, you put down fight, you stepped away from it for a little while, it's time to step back in, because God wants to work through us as a church in this city. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we are not a hostage to our circumstances, that we are not controlled by the past, but you have given us freedom, you have given us authority, you have given us ability, so Father, we take that back up today. We take back up responsibility for our attitude, we take back up responsibility for using our gifts and recommit our heart and our mind to the mission that you put in front of us. Whether it's to work in our marriage, to work in a relationship, to work in this city, God, refresh our hearts. And we praise you that you choose to use us. May we be found faithful in Jesus' name, amen.